Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All right, so we will now go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and talk more about the Terry Rozier trade with Nikias Duncan, a part of the Dunker Spot podcast. Also, you can find all of his content on basketballnews.com. Follow him on Twitter. Great NBA follow. Um, at Nikias NBA. Nikias, thank you so much for the time, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? Hey, we're doing well. We appreciate it. Wanted to get to you to get some of this uh, breakdown on the Terry Rozier trade. Where it comes in earlier, Terry Rozier traded to Miami in exchange for Kyle Lowry, his expiring contract this offseason, a 2027 lottery-protected first that conveys to an unprotected first in 2028. Again, if it does not convey in 2027. Nikias, just what are your initial thoughts after you saw that news come in earlier? And where are you right now? Um, I was a little bit surprised that things moved as quickly as they did, but it is certainly a deal that makes sense for Miami, a team that has built its hat on its defensive reputation, though there's been a little bit of a slide this year, but they needed some scoring. They needed some more scoring. They needed some more self-creation in the room. And Terry Rozier is currently having a career year on that front. So to be able to turn Kyle Lowry's expiring and a far-out first-round pick, which with the way that Miami generally approaches, their team building that's not a team that wants to take. So you would imagine if you're Miami, you're betting that that's going to be un- you know, that's going to go in 2027. They're going to be in the 20s or something. To turn it into Terry Rozier, averaging like 22 and 7. I think that's the deal you make 10 out of 10 times. Um, it feels like a solid fit for Miami. What about the Charlotte side of things, right? You mentioned the, the bet that Miami is making. I think what Charlotte is trying to do is, all right, you have guys that their contracts will be off of the books by the time we get to a 2027 first round pick. We've got some older players on that heat roster and this thing, a, a 14 uh, spot drop, like pretty, pretty big gap, pretty big fall with just one year of that. If it doesn't convey, then it goes to unprotected. Is this a good bet by the Charlotte Hornets here, Nikias, that, Hey, it, you can have Terry and then we'll get this first round pick from you guys in return. Um, like I get the heat are kind of the organization that you generally don't want to make those kind of bets with. Like I think back to when Miami traded it, I think 2021st first, first round pick is part of Goran Dragic's deal a few years back, and that was a very highly contested, highly talked about asset. And then the Heat ended up making a deep playoff run that year. It's like, well, never mind on that. <laughs> but to the book clearing aspect, it does make sense that they felt like they could cash in with their Rozier and with the Kyle Lowry acquisition. Like, I don't imagine he's going to be there past February, so I don't even think it's fair to, to judge. Uh, Charlotte side of the portion yet because I think they're going to move Kyle Lowry elsewhere and then you kind of see what those assets are going to be in addition to the first round pick. And so if you're able to clear your books, add some more pick capital, and this is part of a broader plan for Charlotte to clear some of their bets, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens to like Gordon Hayward in particular. He's another expiring that they may not want to bring back next year. Like, I, it, it's nice to see Charlotte kind of shift in this direction to where even if we aren't going to be major free agency players, we at least are going to have some cap space to remake things, to build it around the mellow, build it around Brandon Miller, or we can serve as kind of like an NBA dumping ground to where teams may want to trade some of their unwanted contracts to get more first-round picks in the room, and maybe you can use those picks to continue to build out this core. Nakias Duncan joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on X at Nakias NBA. And Nakias, what should be the next move after this Terry trade? Um, I think next move from here, I, I think you're looking at – my eyes got to go to Gordon Hayward. Like, I think contenders are going to be sniffing around to see what can we do to add to our wing room. Gordon Hayward, when healthy, naturally, 
is a guy that can score at all three levels, is a solid playmaker, has good positional size defensively. But I think it's going to be clearing out some of those bits. I think that's where they're going to shift their focus to. And with them bringing in Kyle Lowry, we know they're not more than likely not going to buy him out. And they're talking about trying to make another deal to get him. What does that even look like, a, a trade for Kyle Lowry at this point? Um, I would imagine it's going to be looking at teams that could use some point guard help and seeing if you can get like a, a multi-year contract and then pick capital on top of that would be my best guess. Nikai's so done. At- Sorry, Nikai's, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just trying to think of teams off the top of my head that can maybe use, like, a backup point or, like, a spot starter if you don't expect to close. So I would look at those mid-tier playoff teams. Um, hmm, what would be a good land spot for Kyle? Because, like, immediately, like he's, he's from the Philadelphia area, so, like, that was the first team I thought of. I was like, well, I don't know what the contract situation looked like in Philadelphia. Uh, to bring him in. But I would imagine that playoff teams are going to circle the wax to see like what it would take. And maybe that's a way for them to clear that book. Charlotte's able to get another pick or another protect to take out of that. And I think they kind of keep it going that way. Nikias Duncan joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. So, Nikias, I think most people are kind of uh, going with the BMW approach on who you should keep. Brandon Miller, LaMelo Ball, and Mark Williams. All those guys. That's the core, and then you figure out everything else after that. What do you think about that core right now? Like, Is that a good starting point for this squad that has you know, not performed up to expectations because of injuries, because of you know, flat out just the roster isn't talented enough? But do you like those three as a building block going towards the future? I do like those three. I would say just looking forward with Charlotte, it would be nice if they had one more player in the room that you could trust to get to the rim whenever they want to. Like naturally, Mark Williams as a center, you're going to require – a LaMelo or whoever his pick-and-roll partner is going to be to get him the ball to get those reps in. Brandon Miller learning how to score at the rim in the NBA. We know what kind of a shooter he is. He's getting more comfortable with his pull-ups. If they had someone a little bit more dynamic to threaten the rim, I think you could really round that out. We know what kind of talent LaMelo is. Brandon Miller, again, showcasing some two-level scoring shots. We want that to get three levels. Mark Williams, I think, is going to be one of the better interior defenders in the league. And he's, you know, he showed some flashes of the mid-range jumper. Like, he, he has some he has some juice to him. I do like him. Want to see him get back healthy and really put together a run. But I, I like where Charlotte is so far. I think they just need one more piece to really complete that core. Well, and Nikai, how did it go so poorly this year? Like, I, I think I, I forget what the over/under was on them. I think it was like thirty something, like low thirties or whatever. And we saw so many of the injuries last year. Where okay, if these guys just don't have that bad of the injury luck, then they can bounce back in a strong way. Well, it's come back. The injury luck is still there. Lamelo had more ankle problems, and it just feels like it went terribly, terribly wrong once again. Did we? Should we have all always expected it to go this poorly? How much of it can we really attribute to injuries, and how much can we attribute it to man? The roster was just never that great in the first place. Um, I do think it's a little bit of both. Like the injuries certainly don't help. Like you were hoping you would get more of a run from LaMelo. And, like, even in the short time that we've seen him so far, like, it's been helpful to see him have more of an emphasis in getting downhill. I think career high of the shots are coming at the rim this year. Most drives per game in his career. So, like, you're starting to see that even if the efficiency wasn't all the way there. But aside from the injuries, like, you did kind of look at the point guard depth in particular. and You look at some of the backup wings that you had. I think my biggest surprise as someone that talked about and wrote about Charlotte's defense post-All-Star break last year I just didn't think the defense was going to get off to that kind of start when they did this year, even before all the injuries kicked in. That was probably my biggest disappointment. I figured they would kind of carry that momentum on uh, into this season. 
and the fact that it's kind of gone back to like the Borrego era in terms of the defense, like that's been kind of disappointing. So maybe that's going to require some soul searching. And as Charlotte's starting to make some moves, maybe they try to get some more defensive minded guys in the room. But it, it's a mix of both for me. Nikias, is this trade a good indicator that we can trust Mitch Kupchak to make the right moves with him more than likely being gone when this season's done? Uh, I don't know if this, if this one's enough to move the needle on that front. Like, I think if you were pro, give him some more time. I don't think this changes it. And if you were ready for him to get out of here, I, I don't think Lowry in a first and then whatever you, whatever else you get for Lowry is going to be enough to sway you. Well, and Nikai, it's just a couple more questions for me. I know I know part of this that is so attractive for Charlotte is the fact that there's a lot of cap space that they're going to be working with now, and especially depending on what happens with Miles Bridges, who also was in trade conversation. If you trade Gordon Hayward, you don't take on future money. They could be dealing with a lot. How valuable is that cap space, though, for Charlotte if uh, this is not considered to be a very strong free agent class? Is this something that can still work out for Charlotte next year? How good sh- uh, should we feel about it? Um, it's something that can still work out. But I look at, I guess another bad example in this case would be what Detroit has done over the past couple of years. But like the concept, I think, is something that you can rally around for Charlotte to say, okay, we may not be able to be in the running to sign insert superstar here in free agency. However, if you are a playoff team hoping to get into a different tier and you need to clear a contract so you can offer that superstar free agency and say, we are the home for you. Just give us one of those first-round picks or give us one of those young dudes that you're not going to be able to play once you add this guy, and then you can kind of build it out from there. So I think there is some upside to Charlotte using that cap space. Again, as a team that can kind of accept some of those contracts that contenders or playoff teams may not want, and that's not always a bad player on, on a bad contract. Those can be good players that just aren't in the plans for that team. So you can still build out a solid roster, get pick capital on top of that, and you can kind of shape things around your young core like that. Nikaias, last one for me. I can't get you out of here without talking about that game last night. That was bananas. It was drunk. It was all sorts of crazy <laughs> adjectives. Cat goes for 44 in the first half, ends up with over 60, and they lose. And Minnesota, the number one team in the West, and yeah, I know Anthony Edwards was sick and might not have played, but it's still amazing that that team, with a small ball lineup of P.J. starting at the five, was still able to win because they went on a flurry in the fourth quarter. I just need to hear, like, just all of your your thoughts on this game spilling out onto the microphone. Like, what in the hell went on last night? How did Charlotte win despite Cat going for over 60? Uh, as someone that was able to catch, like, the fourth quarter of that game live, and then I started watching some, I didn't get through the complete game um, earlier today, I'm still confused, honestly, <laughs> on how <laughs> was able to pull that back. I will say, like, the shot-making with Charlotte, particularly when they go small, like, that was a lot of fun last night. And that has been fun in stretches over the past few years when you get P.J. at the five. Like, that's, honestly, as we kind of start zoom out to the overall what is Charlotte doing moving forward conversation, I'm really curious to see what P.J. Washington's future is yeah. in Charlotte. Because it felt like the contract negotiations the last couple of years with him, would he get the extension heading into the year? Would he hit restricted free agency? Like, all of that just felt weird, which is – he's a really good multifaceted player. That's interesting to me. But anyway, it was nice to see him as part of that group. Terry Rozier, fill in gaps. Nick Smith – I've liked the Nick Smith minutes this year. Like, I, he's not there yet as being a consistent, productive NBA player. But, like, the athleticism, he isn't scared of anything. It, it was just a lot of fun. They rode that wave. And Minnesota ultimately just got themselves out of sorts trying to feed Cat, particularly in that third quarter. I think they played him too long. That messed with the rotation plans. And that's how you get so many questions. Like, wait, wait a minute, this is a close game. Why is Cat on the bench with two minutes left? So, like, well, you just played him pretty much through the third quarter and early fourth. He's not going to play 18 minutes straight. So, 
a lot of misuse from Minnesota, tremendous shot making for Charlotte. It was a whole lot of fun overall. Yeah, I can't believe that ended up being like the fifth biggest storyline for not only just the Hornets, but then we have a new GM with the Carolina Panthers. A 60-point performance and a loss ends up being like block E in this show, which is absolutely crazy. That's Nikias Duncan joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You've seen him. You've seen him basically every week on the Old Man in the Three podcast with his podcast partner, Stephen Jones. Do a great job talking ball with J.J. Redick. You hear him on the Low Post podcast with Zach Lowe. He's everywhere. If you listen to basketball podcasts, you've heard Nikias Duncan probably a thousand times. Nikias, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, and thank you all for listening. Boy, I'm sorry for hearing me everywhere.